Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from FasterSkier.com. We are here to recap a pretty effing awesome women's 30K World Championships classic race here on Saturday at the Planitza Nordic Center in Slovenia. We've got one race to go after today. We'll be back tomorrow after that, the men's 50K. Stay with us. Okay, this is Nat Hers again from FasterSkier.com. I am here with a rare pitch, which is this. Faster Skier is the only news outlet from all of North America, the United States, or Canada to actually send a human being, a journalist, to cover these world championships in Slovenia. That effort, which has brought you first-hand coverage, exclusive interviews with medal-winning athletes with non-medal-winning athletes, it costs thousands of dollars. Master Skier has invested in my accommodation, in my travel here, they're paying me, and that costs money. And we've got some very supportive advertisers, Marty and Kathy Hall, but we also need your help, particularly if you want to see this kind of coverage continue in future years. So if you have the means, please consider a donation to the Faster Skier Voluntary Membership Program. You can do that at fasterskier.com support. That's fasterskier.com support. If you join this program, you will automatically receive a 10% discount from a purchase at Boulder Nordic Sport. Thanks for all of your support over the past couple of weeks here in Slovenia. We're on the home stretch. We're on the home stretch, but what a stretch. What a day in Planica. It was, oh, that race had it all. It, I, I, I loved it. I was jealous. I've been jealous of you with some of these, some of these competitions to be live and on site. And this was definitely one of them. I thought it had a lot of drama. It was great. And honestly, the, um, I've been, I don't know. It's, there's been a lot of stuff in the European media about like, you know, there haven't been too many fans here. Has this been like a good experience? And today was just like, uh, after about a week of straight, not being able to see the mountains, cloudiness, bummerness, but not real bummerness, but bummerness in the eyes of like Europeans with very high standards for scenery. Um, today, the sun came out and it was just absolutely, utterly glorious today. I went for an amazing cross-country ski before the race started and then you know out there just in the sun pulling up my sleeves running around the course like the the course uh, the first half of it was kind of inaccessible i was i pulled up keegan randall and chad salmola on my phone which was pretty fun but then you know kind of the whole second half as they're coming back up up the hill through the stadium back uh, up up the really big hill and they like are coming in and out and you can see him go up and you can, can see him go down and you can see him go through the stadium um there's a really it was a really great vibe and uh yeah i mean i might end up with a little bit of a sunburn i love it that's that that's what we need in early march in central europe even here in scandinavia like that's that's what we live through winter for days like today but what a what an amazing way to cap off an amazing world championships for the women's side of things I thought lots of lots of fun little storylines. I guess we should just start with Abba. I mean, Abba Anderson, I, what a championship she had. But I, I, it's not that I wrote her off for today, but I was like, 
30K Classic, it's going to be clister skiing. So like ski shouldn't be that huge a deal, at least to get kick. And Sweden has been roasted in the media for some subpar skis a little too many times in this championship. Finally, it's going to be stable conditions, you know, freezing overnight and warming up. That's that's just classic spring skiing in Central Europe. And when she made her move there at, the, at that second lap and got that gap and the way she was skiing, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. That's how she was skiing in the skiathlon and skating so much more powerfully than any of her competition and really pressing in a very elegant way. So I shouldn't have been surprised, but that she did it in classic and she did it with the panache she did it with breaking away before the halfway mark and then just taking it and running away with the, with the victory what a deserving, what a deserving victory. I, I thought Eva Anderson, this whole championship, of course, has been fantastic, but, but what a way to cap it off. And she's always been the next best, you know, prior in, in the Therese Johag era, she had so many times on the podium, so many times second and third and just couldn't convert. And Therese Johag retires and like, we all get to see just how good Eva Anderson truly is because performances like this go down in history. Like the, Sweden has had a lot of champions over the years, especially on the women's side of things, but the, it, it's the way that Ebba has those two individual victories at this, at this championship, that's going to stand the test of time. It was legendary. She skied away from the best women skiers in the world and, and made it look so not easy, but, but made really made, made it look like there's a difference between me and the field. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much there is to add. I mean, but I think, you know, what was cool if you're an Ebba Anderson and a Sweden fan, which it's kind of hard not to be, you know, like I feel like, it's really nice she hasn't done anything to like embarrass or humiliate herself in the media maybe maybe because she really doesn't have any reason to like you know she's not i don't know she's like she's not as obviously not as sort of charismatic as as frida carlson um doesn't have the kind of weight of expectation maybe that frida carlson does so maybe she has a, a little a little bit easier but i i don't know i mean she's just she's kind of a i feel like she's kind of a a low-key athlete and um you know just does it to the way she did it today it wasn't any kind of crazy like Petter Nortug like throw down move like she just kind of slowly and steadily skied away from the best skiers in the world and kind of wiped the floor with them like uh, it's just just the amount that she won by the fact that she did it all by herself um and just like never really faltered never really seemed to have a bad moment like it's just performances like that are what you love to see and I also I guess the only thing I would add is that you know we could say the same thing sort of about Teresa Johag like for the past several years but I I feel like what has been a little bit nicer about this championships is like there is still a little bit of, of doubt you know like about who's going to be the best on a given day and you know in a way it doesn't really feel surprising that this is what Abba Anderson did today uh, but at the same time, you know, the number of people like I didn't predict it. I was kind of messaging with some friends about who was going to win. And I think I put I think I put Abba Anderson second today. It's like there's still a question mark, which makes these races really fun to watch. And then, you know, seeing her break away on the second of four laps like that's a that's a long way to go on a day with, you know, hot sun tracks breaking down um, lots of different things that, that could happen. So I, you know, and I guess one other thing I would say too, uh, was particularly thinking about Ebba Anderson in contrast with Frida Carlson is uh, I was talking with some folks today and we'll be working on a story about Rosie Brennan and her performance today. And 
you know, you kind of think about Rosie and you think about Jesse on the U.S. team and they are sort of such a study in contrasts, you know, um, Rosie is kind of understated and introverted and Jesse is anything but understated and anything but introverted. And, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of that vibe too with the Swedish team. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I haven't read very much about Ebba Anderson this year. She is like kind of soft-spoken. She's not throwing bombs or, or um, you know, making middle finger gestures at the camera like William Peroma did yesterday. Um, you know, again, really kind of in contrast to, to Frida Carlson, who, you know, seems like she makes and attracts a lot of headlines. And um, I don't know. I mean, there's something it's obviously, you know, it's fun to see Petter Nortug's and, and Frida Carlson's win races and do it with like the charisma. But it also is like really satisfying in a way to watch someone who is like quiet and understated um, and humble in the way that it feels like Emma Anderson is um, win, win a race like she did today. So it was pretty cool. But then, you know, there was also really cool stuff that happened behind her. It was like, oh, it was kind of like yesterday with, you know, the the fact that the race was sealed for half an hour did not mean that it was not fun to watch to really lean into the double night. No, I totally agree. Like, I think, I think that was, that was what was fascinating to me about the race too. It's like, there prior to the race, I know it sounds silly because we all saw the skiathlon, how good Eva was there, but, but I, I just didn't believe in her at the same level in classic, like I do with her in skating. And there was so many names. Like I, I had, I had like Henning. I'm like, I think Henning could win this. I mean, Me Nisk- Niskanen of course has, hasn't shown this, the form that she usually has at the championship. So she looked a little shaky, but on paper two weeks ago, I'm like Frida Carlson wins the 30 K classic easy. And then Frida, the Frida Carlson drama show pulled into pulled into port, and <laughs> it just exploded with like spats with her wax technicians and her mom coming to her defense. Like the whole the whole dog and pony show was was on, and then her little collapse in the in the relay uh, didn't help things. So I'm like, oh, maybe Frida Carlson doesn't have this thing locked up. And and but Eva Anderson, you know, I, I was sure she was going to podium, but I I didn't see the performance that she did today in classic that was not a foregone conclusion for me at, at least so it was it was beautiful but like you said the real race was what happened behind Eva but all all the uh, all all the props to Eva it was a beautiful performance so i wanted to make sure we spent some time on that because but that said the the race for second and third was just phenomenal today and I thought it was really cool and interesting that everyone decided they all had the same strategy. They did two laps on a pair of cluster skis and switched their skis. And, and people that are watching and maybe aren't really super familiar, the athletes in the 30K can do one ski exchange. So, but they, and you can only do it after a lap, of course. So, but aside from that, you can really change them when you want. Like you can save it to the last lap and have fresh skis, or you can do it halfway or after one lap, like Krista Parmakowski had to do because she didn't wasn't happy with her skis early in the race. Um, but that said, other than Parmakowski, of the big big names, everyone changed after on the halfway point, and so that kind of made the excitement of the ski exchange that that nullified that. That said, I thought it was really cool to see that that group, that breakaway group of Niskanen and Rosie Brandon and Anna Shirsty. They had a little gap to that to to Frida Carlson and Linz Fong. And in the ski exchange, it's not that they were bad. I mean, it's not like their ski exchanges were bad, but that little gap was erased. 
And then the race for second and third was on and it was nail biting. Like I was super nervous. I, I mean, are they going to try and make a move? Lynn Spawn looked so good, man. She looked so good sitting back there. It was, mouth, that was awesome mouth closed, like mouth closed. She's in her 24th year. She was out for over 600 days with this shoulder injury that just was a total disaster. And now here we are in a 30K classic. And the way she was looking, I'm like, this is so dangerous. If you bring a Lynn Vaughn into the last sprint course, last kilometer, like you are going to get torched. And Rosie tried, you know, Rosie was trying, Frida tried too a couple of times, but then just couldn't get that gap. But Anna Shearsty skis, we got to give the props to the, to the Norwegian wax behemoth to the the military uh, operation that is the Norwegian wax the American military operation like I mean it's insane how good the Norwegian wax technicians are and today it was on full display because Anna Shirstyskis were by far the best of that group it wasn't even close like it was hilarious it's not often you see ski differences that glaring but that said, she didn't wait out. I, I, I was thinking like Anna Shirsty looks so good. Calvo looks so smooth and skiing so well. And I'm like, okay, well, she's just going to use her good skis and just wait. And, and that long, long downhill before you come into that sprint course, the last kilometer of the race, there's like a long downhill to get into that. And then there's a couple of short uphills. I'm like, oh, she's just going to smash the last third of that hill, bring her speed into it. No one will come back, but no, 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 no. She earned, she took that silver medal on the big, big climb with like, two and a half K to go or so three K to go like, and stretched it out, distanced everyone got a really good gap. And then Frida Carlson and Rosie just started reeling it back in. And it was excitement all the way to the end. You're like, is, is Frida going to come back on Anna Shirsty? And she almost did. She almost did. She almost did. And what a finish by Frida Carlson as well. I mean, prior to that ski exchange, I didn't think Frida looked all that good. I mean, she had gotten dropped by uh, Anna Shirsty and, and, and Niskanen and Rosie. And it looked like, oh man, we're going to see a, a bit of a collapse here by Frida. And then it was a tale of two races for me with Frida Carlson. The first half, she looked shaky. The second half, Frida Carlson looked fantastic. She was skiing super well, technically. She was smooth. She was making smart decisions. And, you know, she just got outclassed by uh, an Anna Shirsty that was just that much better, that much sharper. And with skis that were, were, were better. It's not the Swedish, it's not that the Swedish skis were bad, but, but, Anna Shirsty skis were visibly better. And then the heartbreak that is Rosie Brennan, because what did you see in that chase group? There was, there was some things I saw. One, Calvo and Linsvon looked cool as cucumbers. They were so calm, sh- low shoulders, skiing beautifully in all terrain, under no duress whatsoever. Frida, like I said, first half looked kind of shaky. Second half also looked super, super good. Rosie, with like 10K to go, man. I was like, oh my God, Rosie is so deep in the pain cave right here. Like she is just crushing it. She looks good. She's skiing there, but like body language, same with Niskanen. It looked like when they would go to the front, they were really pressing, you know, they were really trying to get that distance and it wasn't working and it wasn't working and it wasn't working. And then, oh man, I, my heart was breaking when, when this race came down to its, to its conclusion for Rosie Brennan, because I thought she skied just such a phenomenal race and fifth place at the world championships three seconds or three point, whatever, 3.6 seconds from, from a bronze medal is a phenomenal performance, but you just didn't want to come to the finish with, with a Frida Carlson or a Lynn Svon, really. I mean, Anna Shirsty did the damage. She was done. The silver should have been sealed and it was sealed, even though Frida did almost come back. But for that bronze medal spot, 
if there's two people you don't want to come within a kilometer or two kilometers from the finish line in classic, it's Lynn Svon and Frida Carlson. And well, I guess the writing was on the wall. Rosie ends up fifth and couldn't go with the Frida Carlson move. And then, and then Lynn Svon, I know she's probably a little disappointed, but let's not forget Lynn Svon is the same age as Frida Carlson. Then she's in her 24th year. She's turning 24. She's so young. She has such immense talent and the way and the poise that she skied this whole race is just phenomenal. And I understand that fourth is going to be a hard pill to swallow, especially when you think about what Lynn Spahn has gone through. But it, it was it was a beautiful performance by Lynn Spahn to be to be fourth place yeah. as well. And then Frida, of course. I mean, she is the next coming, and and I I feel like I, I had her pegged to win this thing. And the fact that she secured the medal in the way she did was was really impressive. I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Like, uh, I have not had the time to like go back and look at what Lynn Spahn's best distance result is but i mean that was that was i don't think we can overstate how insane of a performance that was linsvon beat kertuniskanen today linsvon beat you know every norwegian except for anshersi calvo like I, and you know she's a sprint specialist where did this come from I, you know the thing that i think is kind of fascinating about today too is uh, Sweden had a really tough decision to make as they have had this entire championships about who is not going to get to race today. You know, if you remember back to last year, Jonas Sundling was starting to race lights out in some of these distance races. Like she was top 10, I believe, if not, you know, even better than that top five in the Holman in the 30 K last year. And so, uh, you know, I had this moment this morning, actually, that I thought was like kind of poignant where, there's uh there's some tourist trails that connect there's like a little wax testing loop here and uh you know i get here not that early but early enough and i'm skiing by nine and i you know you the, the tourist trails you, you ski up a really steep hill and then you go along through the woods and then you come out in this really wide open field with these really glorious mountain views and um i pop out and pass someone and it's you assembling by herself 9 a.m. in the morning, race day of a race that I'm have to imagine she wanted to race. And she's just out there doing a little tour, earbuds in all by herself. And I was like, man, this must be a really sad and lonely time to be Jonas Sundling right now. I mean, I probably shouldn't overstate it. She has a, a couple gold medals, I think, uh, from here and a bronze. So, you know, she's probably not bumming too hard, but it just it was like, man this is one of the best skiers of the world in the world. And she doesn't even get to start today. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like certainly the decision to start Swan was vindicated um, by her performance um, to talk a little bit about Rosie. Um, I mean, there are a few observations. One of the things that Rosie was saying after the race was she actually felt like her best pair of skis were the pair that she was out on from the start. And then she goes in and to change them and, comes out and realizes she's actually like on a worse pair of skis, which I think was a little bit of a gut punch. And then, you know, it sounded like she definitely was seeing that the Norwegians and Swedes both had really good skis today. I think she and Matt Wickham, when I talked to them, Matt being the head coach of the U S team, I think they weren't necessarily feeling like we had bad skis. They were just like, you know, some days you have good skis and some days other teams have better skis and that was kind of how they felt today um i mean 
yeah, I, I just have to repeat some of the things he said about Rosie Brennan. I mean, you know, she's someone I live in the same town. I see her out and around and, you know, just knowing everyone who's listened to this podcast knows her life story at this point. So I don't think we need to repeat it, but man, you know, seeing her in the hunt today for medals and feeling for a second, like she really was going to have the juice to like finally do it last race of a championships that had been kind of a, a tough championships. And then to see her get that close and to not do it, it just, it, there were, there were European fans. Like there's this one finish list in but she was like also screaming at Rosie Brennan which was it just was really wonderful to see you know um I don't think there's you know again she and Jesse Diggins are so different and I think Jesse gets kind of the like uh, fan love that's really obvious but I think there is a feeling that like people here just have a, a pretty deep respect for Rosie as well and um so it was you know it was cool to see that and then I think you know, Rosie was also pretty, you know, I, I think she and I talked to her mom. Um, it's again, just like you walk out of the stadium and there's Rosie Brennan and Julia Kern, like with their, with their parents. And, um, you know, I, Rosie's mom was stoked. She was like, this was, this was an awesome race to watch. I'm so glad I got to see it. Um, I don't, you know, care that, you know, everyone wants Rosie to get a medal, but I, I also feel like after she, you know, it had the like ski mishap and pole mishap to like, see her finally racing to where everyone knows her ability is today. Like that, that was, it, it was a good feeling. I think for, I think for people who were watching. So, um, you know, a little bit of tragedy, but also like a little bit of redemption for Rosie today for sure too. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, um, I don't know where else you want yeah, to go. I, I know. One no, I, I, well, before we go on, I, there's a couple of things I want to mention, like, for sure, the Sundling, I totally agree with Sweden. The Swedish women's team is impossible to pick the teams for. And just just so the listeners are clear, like, we're tired and stuff. But yeah, Sundling was third in a 30K Classic, dude, in Home and Colm last year. She was on the podium in the 30K Classic. And then she was fourth in the Olympic 30K in skating, which that race, to me, go back and watch that one. I remember watching that being like, oh, my God, Sundling is the Olympic champion in the sprint is like delivering a beautiful performance in 30k skate in horrendous conditions if we all remember how cold and windy it was in Beijing so I agree it's just so hard to thread that needle and Lynn Svon um while you were on the Alaskan political beat hard <laughs> before Lynn Svon's injury I mean she was winning distance races she was winning sprints she was like the next coming and then the shoulder surgery just derailed everything but I agree with you post post injury we haven't seen Lynn Svon at this level and distance, not even close. And it's just how she did it too. She was so poised. And without that perfectly timed attack by Anna Shirsty Calvo, Linsvon's probably going to be second. Like if they waited that much longer, if Anna Shirsty waited like 800 meters longer up that hill, I'm not sure they could have shaken Linsvon or, or Frida for that matter. And then all of a sudden, you got to put all your money on Lynn Svon at that moment. If you're, if they're within a couple seconds when you have 800 meters or, or the sprint course, can we say like a kilometer and a bit to go. So what, what a beautiful, beautiful performance. And for sure. I mean, like she's beating Niskanen that almost pulled off the biggest upset in women's skiing of the last 40 years when she was 0.2 seconds behind Therese Johag last year at the Olympic games in the 10 K classic and Hanning, who has just been one of the best classic skiers in the world is distanced 
in, in seventh. And it's not like she had a horrible, horrible, horrible race, but she got completely outclassed by the likes of Lynn Svon. So really, really interesting. And, and, and then the Rosie piece, I think, I think the piece that I, I, I totally agree as the athlete, you got to look at objectively. This is Rosie's level. I mean, she's fourth in the tour to ski. She's been top five. And that next, that next, that next step that she has to take to get to the podium is just so, so, so difficult with these generational legends in the making with a Frida Carlson or, uh, or an Emma Anderson. And the thing that breaks my heart a little bit with Rosie, I have to say is Rosie was a late bloomer for sure. And we've talked about that. We've had like covered multiple podcasts about that. So if you want to know that backstory, just go into the archive and, and dig those up, but she's in her 35th year and next year, there's no world championships. So the next world championships in Trondheim, she's 37. And then the year after is the Olympics and she's 38 if she decides to continue. And watching that race today and seeing how well executed she did it and everything around it, I'm like, is this the swan song? Is this it? Like, is this the last chance to dance? And if it is, it's not a bad way to have like a crescendo of a wonderful career. But man, it leaves you wanting that like, I don't know if you've seen that uh, corny football movie, Rudy, about Notre Dame. Yeah, we've all seen Rudy. Any American listener has seen Rudy. You you want Rudy to you want Rudy to get that start. You know what I mean? You want you want that all American sports story. And I was hoping for well, that today. And we're just gonna have to see. I mean, you never know. You have it's not that she can't do it. I mean, Hilda GP, if you remember uh, Hilda um, Pedersen of Norway, go back in Torino. She was well. She was well past forty. And she was winning individual medals at the Olympics. So in cross-country skiing, you can do it. But I'm telling you, these other girls are young. Lynn Svon, Frida Carlson, uh, Eva Anderson, these are young, young athletes. And they are not in this one song of their career. Down. No, no, they're getting better and better and better. And again, like, that's the other thing, too, with Anna Shearsty. And, and then we can move on. Sorry, I'm, I'm just blabbing. But, like, I love the Anna Shearsty story, too, because, you know, to try and break in with the Bjergen era, and the Teresa era just to break into the national team has been so hard for these young Norwegian women. And it took Anna Shirsti till now, like till the last couple of years to finally get chances. She was like on regional teams doing scan cups. Like Anna Shirsti is 31 years old. You know what I mean? And this is her first individual championship medal. And she's had all that bad luck. Like we talked about waking her first Olympics can't race because of COVID getting having to go home from the tour to ski in tears because of COVID again. And she's 31 as well. Like, I mean, that's peak time for sure. But I, I want to use like the, the Rosies and the Anna Shearsties like as like real motivation for young female athletes, especially to be like, yes, there's the Teresa Yohugs and the Frida Carlson's that are winning championship medals as a junior. There are, but there are also two of the top five that were not like complete total beasts at 19 years old and they are in the top five in the world now one in their mid 30s and one in the early 30s like it, it it makes another layer of this story that that makes the women's racing even more exciting yeah and i just i mean i don't know i think it's like one of the cool and beautiful things about sport is like look if and i asked rosie if we're going to see her at another world championships uh today and she demurred uh you know she's like well i'm not sure we'll see um, but I think, yeah, the fact that Rosie today, she was skiing with the best in the world. And I mean, I don't know, I would argue with like the sort of characterization that, you know, she's 
still like not quite at the level of like a Frida Carlson or a Lin Svon or Anna Shirsty. Like those those differences, like you put Rosie on Anna Shirsty's skis today and maybe that result is different. And so, you know, I guess just what I wanted to say about it is like, it's just it's such an inter interesting thing about the way that we do sport where like ultimately it is a totally random thing that like why do we give medals to the top three you know there's only one winner of the race it's random like we could give medals to the top four or the top five and like ultimately what rosie showed today was when it matters you know she was effectively as good as the very best skiers in the world and if she were to retire i mean i don't know it's like her legacy how much is it actually different if she wins the medal like maybe it really is but it also is and i'm I mean, going to interrupt you a bit because yeah. i see where you're going yeah. with it i see where you're going with it but at the same time it's like if michael jordan isn't getting that jumper at the buzzer to win the nba championship i'm sorry it's just another bulls team that was almost as good and in the area in the era we'll all remember how good the bulls were to be almost winning but because Jordan would drain those buckets, he became a legend. And, and the margins are razor, razor thin in sport. And it's, it's, it's a gut punch. I've been, I've been but it's, in the Olympics by like 0.7 or something like stupid close. It's, it, but the fact of the matter is these razor thin margins are what makes it so exciting. And, and also if Rosie converts in the future, say we're in Trondheim in Norway, where there's going to be 100,000 screaming fans like Trondheim World Championships Anyone listening that wants to experience cross-country skiing at its best, book your tickets, rent an Airbnb, be in Trondheim for the World Championships in 2025. It's going to be crazy. And if you think I'm lying, just YouTube World Championships 2011 Oslo or even better, Olympic Games, Lillehammer 1994. It's banana pancakes how many people come out to support it. And what... What a storybook ending we could have if Rosie can convert there. And that said, the performance themselves, I'm 100% agreeing with you. The performance between fifth fifth and third, Frida Carlson's performance and Rosie's performance, it's the same. You know what I mean? Let, let's be honest. It's the same. But the beauty and the curse of sport, there is a difference between third and fifth. There just is. And yeah. it's interesting it's that like it's Frida legacy. that cons getting it. You know what I mean? Frida keeps getting these championship medals yeah. because Frida has that extra little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that... That's it's yeah. like what you want Michael Jordan on the court when there's five seconds to go and everyone's fouling each other in the NBA. And, and the same thing you want Frida Carlson in the mix hunting for a medal when we're getting to the closing, the closing kilometers of a championship. Like you want yeah. those legends in the making to be fighting down the stretch. That said though, I totally agree philosophically with what you're saying. She is that good, but sports a cruel mistress and she's, just outside that's the facts and i think what i'm saying is like you can simultaneously say like yeah her legacy probably ends up, it, it definitely ends up being different with the one second between her and a medal and at the same time you can also like say that the respect that people should have for that performance and like everything that has led up to to this point is like it, it shouldn't change you know because it's not it's not like Rosie didn't win a medal today because she didn't try hard or because she hasn't, you know, put energy into it. And, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's really cool. One thing, one thing that I would say, uh, if, um, 
anyone is hoping to see Rosie Brennan or or anyone who is of a comparatively somewhat advanced age compared to Frieda Carlson or Lince Vaughn is uh, you only have to look so far as 12th place on the result sheet at 42-year-old uh, Masako Ishida of Japan, who is still grinding out there, folks, still racking up top 15 finishes at world it's championships crazy. at at an age when, uh, I mean, what am I? He's older than me. 42, if I, I mean, we're, that's fucking old. Like that's we're, yeah. We're what talking, else can you say? No, exactly. That, that almost that, octogenarian. That, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it was uh, what what Ashita's doing out there is head shakingly crazy. I, I agree. Like at, at the sharp end of the field, like that, beating a lot of big names and uh, still at it. And from Japan too, although she's been based in Europe quite a bit. The fact of the matter is, it's we talk a lot about the culture and, and the difficulties that North American athletes experience racing a quote unquote a European sport, but having raced in Japan and traveled to Japan for races and, and and just like experiencing the Japanese culture, like that is a culture clash. (laughs) Like that is both very far geographically and culturally and language and everything. And that Ishida has this kind of staying power and, you know, spent some years on the ski classics like that I've been talking about lately. Uh, It's, you know, the, the, the marathon circuit. Um, It, it, it's it's wild it's totally wild and the other thing that's wild there's a couple more things i wanted to say it's like Yoshlin, i kind of was expecting her to be a bit better but she's obviously a little bit tired she looked just a little tired out there today compared to in the skiathlon and you saw it in the relay too like she was she was good enough but if she was dangling there on her on her second leg did everything she needed to do so she had a wonderful relay and they're world champions but um she's jumping on a private jet she probably already in in mora sweden not mora sorry uh um salem uh sweden because the vasalopet the most important ski classic the 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 by far most important long distance race on the ski classics calendar starts tomorrow in salem and it is 90 kilometers of double polling through swedish forest and swamps frozen of course like but uh it's the biggest deal in, in the long distance circuit and Asterisk Lind is going to be towing the line, which is full on crazy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how she does. I almost feel like if she wins, it says more about the level of ski classics for women than, than it does about how strong uh, Asterisk Lind uh, is. But that said, like Edith all, there's a lot of big names on the, on the long distance circuit that are probably going to wipe the floor with Asterisk Lind tomorrow, sadly. But that said, what a storybook, what a storybook world championships and season for Asterisk Lynn. I think it's kind of cool. It, you know, the, the environmentalist in me goes like, this is ridiculous that we're flying athletes on a private jet to do a stupid double pole fest through some Swedish woods. Like, why are we doing this? This is why we're screwed as a society. But the sports fan in me says, you know, one of the big sponsors for a private team is a billionaire in, in Norway that loves cross-country skiing. And she she asked that to have this opportunity and of course it's a whole sideshow and the whole like and then she did the 30k and the next day did the 90 kilometer vassal up it so it's it's i don't know I, I, maybe we don't even want to discuss it but anyway it's going to be interesting to see her in, in the vassal up it um tomorrow i thought it was cool to see Haley swirble in 18 top 20 to finish the world championship there uh a solid solid ending to to a championship for her. We've talked about Haley before, you know, she has world cup podium, a world cup podium individually, and has been top 10 a number of times. And, and this season she did uh like, we also go back in the archive if you want to get the backstory on it, but she took a little bit of a, a different approach with her, 
with her season, spending a lot of time in North America instead of just grinding out the World Cup like the likes of Diggins or, or Rosie Brennan did. And um, yeah, the season's not over, so we'll just have to see. But as of now, obviously, she's not been skiing at the level that she has prior. So perhaps it didn't, quote unquote, work that well. But this is a great way to, to end the championship, 18th in, in a hard-fought race. And then uh, on the flip side... Catherine Stewart-Jones, the high hopes for the, for the 30K Classic. She's had a wonderful season. Top 10. She's an individual top 10 on the World Cup this year. She's taken such a huge step this whole season. In this World Championships, it just fell flat for Catherine. She just wasn't in the same shape that she was from, from uh, November, December, January. That said, you have to take the positives out of it. Catherine Stewart-Jones did such a humongous jump this year compared to the previous years that while this world championship just didn't go the way she wanted or expected, I hope that she's not too bummed and looks forward and can have some perspective and say like, yeah, the world championship didn't go my way, but perhaps that had something to do with going back to North America, back to Western Canada after the tour to ski and then coming back. And maybe it was something like that, you know, we just talked about how thin the margins are. And if you, if you're trying to take risks like that, just learn from those and, and and know that you've made such a humongous jump. And now Daria Beattie is retiring, uh, who has been uh, a national team member for a long, long time and has a number of top 20s in her career. She's she's retiring. And and on the women's side of things, like Catherine Stewart-Jones is going to be completely alone in, in the leadership role for the women's program in Canada. And we need her around and we need her hungry. And if she keeps making these jumps like she's making um, – she, she could be a, a Rosie Brandon type that, that really comes online a little, a little later in life. Can you say like around 30 or an Anna Shirsti Calvo? Uh, the steps she made this year is fantastic and cool to see Julia Kern wanting to do the 30 K classic. I mean, definitely not an event you, you think uh, Julia Kern would be all that keen to do. And yeah, she was right there with Catherine Stewart Jones beating her by one place in, in 27th. But again, what an experience to race the 30 K uh, at the championship is is fascinating and i think for me that's the yeah lots of that there's just we can go on and on and on but there's no need i mean the, the women's racing has been great and what a what a great finale to a, to a wonderful world championships on women's cross-country skiing and thank god we have women's cross-country skiing because on the men's side of things it's just there's beautiful performances and there's beautiful skiing but there's just not the same drama and it's 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 not uh, men's cross-country skiing isn't in a great place right now and and uh, i'm really thankful for the women Boulder Nordic Sport is the industry-leading resource for cross-country ski equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. Whether you're looking to tour the local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sport's passionate staff can help you find the perfect gear for your skiing experience. Visit bouldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country, Download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine or sign up for one of our professional race wax services for world masters and other key races. You can also find extensive waxing instruction on the BNS YouTube channel. I don't know if you have anything else to add for the women's race, but I just have I want to I want to bring up one thing about the men's race tomorrow. Can, can we do that no, now? Totally. We got to hear about Kruger, okay. Kruger getting absolutely dumb. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I swear for the kids listening, but the fuck, like, what is that? I mean, I understand these other guys are better this year on the world cup in classic, but since when does an athlete who has 
10 championship starts with nine medals and has won three gold medals at this championship left out of the last race of the championship. I don't care what technique it could, they could take the skis off and get these athletes to crab walk 50 kilometers backwards, blindfolded. I still want Kruger in it. I mean, he's flying high. He's in the best shape of his entire career. And the leadership is picking. And I love shoot off that. He's a great guy. We heard from Alex too. Like I know all these guys super well. So I kind of want to pat, like just be a little cognizant of this, but shoot off is the nicest guy in the world, but he's in his 35th year. He's 34 years old. And you're really going to give shoot off a chance who is sixth in the pursuit, getting completely dusted by Kruger in that race, the chance to do the 50 when you have a guy with three gold medals. I'm sorry. I know it's incredibly challenging for, for the Norwegian team because you could probably make a similar argument about Hans Christer Holland, you know, controversial pick for the relay, but look how good he was in the relay. He just, he smashed the whole thing to bits and he was third in the 15 K and he won the world championship 50 K. I know it was skating, but still in 2019, he won a world championship individual gold in 2021. And now Holland doesn't get to do the 50 K either. Like I, I, I understand that. I don't understand that is what I'm saying, but I, okay. I understand it's just such a hard needle to thread, but leaving Kruger off this start list for tomorrow is a mistake by the leadership. And I think it sends the wrong message. What more can a guy do? What, what more do you want your athletes to do than show up at the world championships and be completely dominant? This is, this is outrageous. And I know we're going to get emails like, but he's not that good in classic. He was in the fifties earlier this year. Like, I don't care. You want to know why I don't care? Because back in 2003, the same arguments were said about Thomas Osgard. He can't classic. He's just a skater. And who won the 30K classic mass start in, in Val de Fiem? Thomas Osgard. Because when you show up at the championship completely and 100% on form, magic can happen. And if we don't believe in Kruger now, when will we believe in him? He, he's one of the best distance skiers of all time. And championship distance skiers, I should say championship distance skiers of all time and leaving him off makes no sense to me because I don't care what you did in a classic race December 7th I don't care we're in the world championships now in March and I don't know I think I think it's a mistake and I think it's also like incredibly depressing honestly well um I just have one question which is I mean can you tell us how you really feel about that yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but I just feel so bad for him. Like the guy gets left off the relay after coming second in the last world championships. And the same thing happened to Harold Robinson this year. So I get it. I get the relay is always, is always a total disaster for Norway because in the last five years, it's a guaranteed medal and most likely guaranteed gold medal. So everyone wants to get that relay spot and there's two classic skiers and two skate skiers. I, I understand that part, but you have five starts to this 50K. Of course, Emma Leverson has no business even doing the 50, but he's the reigning champion, so he gets to do it. Claybo and Paul, they have to do it. Like Claybo and Paul, they 100% have to do it. I wanted to argue that maybe we shouldn't give Didrik a chance, Tonseth, but then that's that's misguided because he has been very good in Classic, and last year in Home and Colon, he was on the podium in, in Classic, and he finally has figured out in the last few seasons um well last season i should say that 
the 50k for for did the concept was uh, his white whale like he, he would just go empty he'd kind of bonk all the time in races over 30 kilometers but he seems to have figured that out so okay i give him i give him the chance but but sure who's better in in skating and yes he has had some great classics races this year but i don't care that you did well in like a 20k mass start classic on a biathlon course in lillehammer in d- early december like we're at the world championships on championship courses in March now. And I, 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 just, I just can't believe you pick, I just can't believe you picture it out though, over, over Simon Hexler Kruger in, in a 50 K at a championship like this. I, it just makes no sense to me. And I think it just, it's just, it's just, it's such a stupid message. I don't know. I am. Um, the only thing you already said it, but I mean, I just, the, the, the irony of Simon Hexler Kruger not getting to race and Emil Everson, who has like been racing like hot garbage all year, I know he he gets to race, and I know that it's because he has this like automatic start right as the defending champion. But like, if I were Emil Everson, I would be in the Norwegian press right now saying, "I'm I I offered my bib to Simon Hegstad Kruger, which probably is not allowed, but you know, I'd still do it's it. It's not it allowed. Me, yeah, it, exactly. It make me look good." It's exactly it's not allowed. Um, but that said, that said, if there's one nation where surprises can happen, I am so curious to see what kind of ML Everson we're gonna see tomorrow. I mean, it's gonna be cluster conditions, which suits ML incredibly well. And after his season yet again went completely sideways and off the rails, he's had a chance now in this build-up for one race in the 50k. I'm just curious to see what kind of ML Everson we're gonna see tomorrow because we all know how good ML is in a 50k classic with especially with clister conditions you know if it was like my if it was like hard wax skiing or like tricky kick or something i'd be like oh my god like emil has no chance in and all hell but but tomorrow you never know i mean it, it'll be it'll be really just fresh totally fresh and hungry and and also he's kind of fighting yeah. for his career he's fighting for his career at this point because all these young guys are so good behind them that aren't even getting chances on the world cup or, or, or in championships. So Emil Everson kind of has to be on the podium if he wants to secure his spot on the national team for next year. And, and this is the livelihood for these guys. So there's a lot of pressure resting on Emil Everson's shoulders. He's going to be so thrilled to see how that race went today and see what the conditions are like, because like I said, this really, really plays into his favor. But, but again, that, that Seaman Hegstad Kruger is watching these races on the sideline and, and that Harald Amundsen was racing in Latvia today in a Scandinavian cup race in a 10 K skate is just so mind boggling to me too. The fact that he was just second, he was five seconds away from being world champion. And now he's racing in Latvia on the scan cup. It's crazy. It's like, it's like, it's like sending Aaron judge, you know, down to play double a ball in yeah. like Peoria, totally uh, Illinois or whatever. It, and um, exactly. And- I wanted to make one other point, which is, uh, I, I mean, I, I know we all know this, but I hadn't really reflected on it, which is that tomorrow is the last chance for literally any non-Norwegian, with the exception of French sprint specialist Jules Chapaz, to win any individual medal at World Championships. Isn't that stupid? That's and, ridiculous. And so it's crazy. And so, I mean man, I would love to see like one of these Swedes or yeah. literally anyone else break through uh, here. I know, tomorrow. it doesn't it look just, good. It would, it would be awesome. And, yeah. and, you know, that's the other thing about these Norwegian decisions is like, okay, well, yeah, sure, it is an utter tragedy for Simon Hegstad Kruger, but also, you know, okay, he's 
he's not going to win. Poland's going to win or Clybo's going to win. And then the two yeah, other totally. exactly. dudes Paul's are going to get second exactly. and third. And it's totally. like, it, it, exactly it's, right. a, it's not really a, it's not really like a fair, uh, there's not going to be a real test of these coaches judgment no. because no, no, it's not like, at all. they're just that much better that I don't know. So yeah, exactly. anyway, I agree. I, I agree um, completely. I agree totally. And, and the dominance for this this year's world championship, of course, the Russians are gone. We've said that a thousand times, and that's affecting what we're seeing, no question. But um, men's skiing is in a place it has never been in the last 100-plus years. It's in a very, very precarious and sad place. That is nothing against the Norwegians. They're doing everything right. They're fitter than you. They ski better than you. And they have a better wax team than you. And they're using all those advantages to not only beat you over the face with it, but like throw you a shovel, get you to dig your own grave, then beat you over the face with it. Then you, then you willingly fall into that grave. And I don't know, the, the earth is so soft that it kind of like avalanches onto you or like you have like some mudslides, you, you get buried yourself. Like it's not Norway's fault. They're better, but the dominance we're seeing makes it very uninteresting. And like you said, too, I think, I think not good, but also too, like you said, I think it's also so apt. I'm glad you brought this up. It it also makes it really challenging to assess the decision of the Norwegian leadership. And, And that's kind of been the calling card of Norway. Like when coaches have made bad picks in the past, like it's like, it's like European football or like NHL or NBA, like you get thrown over the coals in the media and then there's a coaching change and new guys get a chance. And again, now, like, it, it seems like they can make any decision from here to Mars. It, it does. It, it won't affect it. And like I just said, like, why isn't Kruger getting a chance? Yeah, he's not as good a classic skier on paper in December than, than some of these other guys. But we could just as easily see shirt off that come second tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Like you just mentioned, like all these guys are beasts and all these guys are way, way better than anyone else. And in Porama, we trust. I mean, I can't think of a single other person to be fighting for a podium than William Porama. He has two fifth places this year so far, but I didn't like what I saw in the relay and and he didn't look all that sharp there, but that said, Frida Carlson didn't look all that sharp in the relay and she looked great today. So, so it'll be in one, one more, one more race. And and then we can, we can put, we can put this to bed. <laughs> Oh man, I'm going to be drinking cappuccinos, uh, you know, sunbathing in uh, Torino for a few days and, and you can get back to that gigantic textbook. So we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow. I may have to tape from the road. It'll be an exciting, uh, it'll be an exciting day, but, uh, yeah. Um, 24 hours from now, uh, be there, be square. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 